0: Hi, I'm Ryan O'Hara, CEO and founder of Pitchfire. You're listening to Take Me Off Your List, presented by Pitchfire. They pay us the big bucks, and if you use them, they'll pay you the big bucks to get paid to get pitched. Take Me Off Your List is the rally cry of millions of B2B professionals out there. This podcast tackles all kinds of things around go-to-market. So whether you're in marketing, demand gen, sales, or just like the sound of my voice, you've come to the right place. Let's get started, shall we? hello everyone welcome to take me off your list I'm really excited many moons ago when I first started working on pitchfire and I think the company's even just called a request for a meeting at that point um this person was kind enough to have me on their podcast which we should talk about too because it's a fantastic podcast um but we've been kind of talking about positioning a lot at pitchfire and I was like man I know someone that's gone through this they didn't have a beard when they started and now they do they're grizzled they just did a <laughs> lot of things uh, everyone say hi to Jeremiah Rizzo.
1: Hey, everyone.
0: Jeremiah, um, tell people a little bit about what Databox does for pe- the, the kids at home that don't know. And this is a good chance to test the position. Test maybe. our position. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> so Databox is an easy to use analytics platform for growing businesses. Um, you no. Know, so Databox <laughs> lets you, uh, Databox makes it, re- here's the pitch. Basically, it's like you have a lot of data and that data can help you make much better decisions like when to hire, what your marketing plan should be, what next quarter sales goals should be. The problem is that data is scattered across 12 different software tools, a couple spreadsheets that you're manually updating, and then a couple of Google slides that your marketing team is copying and pasting screenshots in. Databox makes it really easy to centralize all your company's data in one place. So you always know, it's like a health tracking app for your company. You always know key metrics and how you're performing. And then you can visualize live performance on dashboards, uh, automate sharing that performance with other team members. You can compare your uh performance to others with benchmarks uh all all from one place and the trick is like unlike a lot of complicated powerful tools that do the same stuff you don't need to know sql you don't need an in-house data scientist uh or you don't need to be like a business intelligence expert anyone on your team can use it
0: you're actually tempting me to do this too because we're setting up a bunch of stuff right now um i'll give you an example of where our data is distributed so we have i'm I'm using profit well to track revenue stuff like to keep track of like where we're at on revenue um there's a couple of things I'd like to customize there. Um, we keep track of our users using Looker Studio, like which is okay. inside of Google. Obviously, yep. we using GA to track stuff on our marketing front and all that stuff too. You're telling me I could put all this stuff in one place, right?
1: That's what I'm telling you. I'm wow. Telling you can <laughs> consolidate it. You could get daily, daily, weekly, or monthly Slack messages that says here's your report card and how the company's doing, and if you're off track of your goals, or you name it. So that's the yeah. pitch
0: that's that's great so what we're going to do today the reason we did that exercise right there is i want to focus today's podcast on positioning uh you can talk a little bit about J- jeremiah like what made you guys be like hey we need to redo our positioning at data box like what what, what happened were you guys just like we're all, we, we have so many different things that we try to talk about or like what was the overarching problem
1: yeah um It was an initiative I pushed. So, just for context, uh, a couple of years ago, we did have someone internally start to go through an exercise of positioning. They started to analyze, like, it was a little bit more quantitative. So, it was heavy on, like, who are our best users, what types of companies, what revenue or team sizes, things like that, Um, and try and come away with, like, personas. Uh, I think probably the biggest the biggest push was we wanted to do a website update. Like it was, t- it's been years since we've updated. The website doesn't reflect all the products that we've shipped over the past year. Um, And it definitely doesn't, I didn't feel it like clearly communicated the value that we offer users. Like it was a, it was a good technical description of what we could do, but it didn't really correlate to like a, as much business value as we could have leaned into. And so it made sense to kind of explore doing this because it's something we, we never did like, although we did a little bit of the quantitative stuff, we never did like a full positioning end to end of the company. And we just changed a lot over the year. Like I've been here a year and a half. And in that time, they went from a, a data visualization tool, technically like a dashboard tool, to adding reporting, to adding benchmarking and, you know, forecasting and all kinds of other things. So um, it was just time to freshen up a bunch of stuff and clean up our messaging and be more clear. And so, you know it made a lot of sense to do a positioning exercise to make sure how do we... Basically, the onus was like, we have a core group of people that love Databox that don't ever churn. They pay us above average amount of money. Let's figure out why they love us so much more than the average user. And then let's see if we can reflect that language or that messaging on the website to attract more of our best customer and improve retention and other things like that. So
0: one thing I think that's a little underrated in, let's say, let's call it SAS, right? Let's say it's SAS, right? Cause you're paying a subscription model usually in most of these places. Um, it's a lot harder to differentiate today versus like when Ford came out with cars, they were the only ones that did like, like certain features that they had. like, Oh, we have headlights. These right. other cars don't have headlights. Um, SaaS is like the hard part about it that no one tells you is like it's so easy to go replicate stuff you can mm-hmm. literally dissect any product look at the source code a lot of the stuff's built on open source and reverse engineer how something's built by just looking at code when you're on a web app or something so positioning is especially important sas because you got to say something that says hey i'm hitting the problem the person cares about i'm go i it's we're telling you who it's for while we're doing that positioning and it's got to be something so easy that you could go tell your parents about and they actually understand what you do for a job.
1: Yeah, I think, I think on that note, you're, I mean, you're definitely right. And it's a, a really depressing thing. If you know, mar- most marketers listening have probably done this, but if you haven't, a really depressing thing to do <clears throat> is go look at one of those like uh, logo visualizations of all the companies in your category, like on oh, yeah. G2 or in those like charts. Okay. And you'll see like a hundred other companies that claim to do exactly what you do. But yeah, I mean, the, Features get copied, and I mean, I'm not. I I do believe that the, probably every company has certain features and certain, or the way that they've approached building the product was informed. They might not even know it if they weren't early at the company, but the way the company approached solving the problem was informed by a certain strong point of view that the founder originally had, and I think even. Tapping into that, even if ninety nine percent of features overlap, being louder about the point of view that drove you to solve the problem the way you solve it. Um, a good example of this is Basecamp, where you know, like they have to do lists, they have projects, they have clients, they have file uploads. Like a lot of this stuff, Asana and Monday and whatever have, but they're very strongly opinionated on the way, like the way they solve the problem is very different. Um, so yeah, I think it helps avoid. I think it it can really take you if you just look at a feature price comparison, it feels like a race to the bottom because all your competitors need to do is copy the features or lower their prices. And it there's a disconnect when when buyers go to buy. This is something April Dunford, who if you don't know who she is, you need to go listen to her podcast and look I yeah, I binged like everything I could from her in this exercise. But um something April talks about is like I think it's like 40% of uh sales evaluations end in a no purchase and people go back to doing what they were doing before to solve the problem because it's just kind of like decision fatigue or decision overload, or they're not really ready to make the jump. And so I think good positioning fundamentally helps, helps you educate prospects on what is the best solution for them and how to buy and how to evaluate all the solutions out there. And then you're in control of describing how you're different. And that control is all the difference of like, even if the features don't wildly differentiate and your price is pretty the same. You can share how the approach you took, the point of view that you hold, uh, this one unique thing that you do that nobody else does, or like the niche market that you're dedicated to serving is enough to push people over the edge and set you apart. So I think it helps take this like crowded hundred companies in like a little quadrant. And it clearly like gives you a little special halo and shows how you stand out from the rest. And I think it's a more helpful experience for your buyers too.
0: I think it's kind of also, you know what it makes me think of, it? it's like, Hey, no, one's going to take you serious unless you use X and you're in this space. And that's part of what I think you guys have done a good job with, with the new positioning too, is like, like when I was at Lead IQ, for example, we were using like a couple of weird, like hacky tools for sales engagement. And that was like, look, we really need to, if we're going to be building an integration for sales loft and outreach and like selling this space, we really need to be using one of those bigger players in sales engagement even though it costs more. Um, and they did this good job of tightening up and educating the market on this concept of what sales engagement is. Um, and there's a reason that they, both those companies blew up a lot faster than some of the other companies that made sales engagement software. Um, we're now seeing it with like, I look, I if I were looking at a quadrant for you guys or something, you're probably somewhere in the marketing analytics category and you're completely different than the things I mentioned earlier. Um, it's 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 very interesting. Um, so, how you guys came up with something? How long did it take you? Like what? Like, do, and what did you do? What was the process like? Did you like talk to customers and listen to sales calls or something? Or like, how'd you get the ideas of what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah. So, we basically uh, we took the framework. I took the framework adapt uh, that April Dunford lays out, and obviously, awesome. And we basically adapted it to our needs. So, I think that's the key with a lot of this is like we studied, like I, I've been diving into jobs to be done. Or like I said, category pirates takes a slightly different approach if they believe you, like basically in order to win, everyone needs to create their own category. Um, and I think there's a lot of nuances around that. I'm not sure that I, there's some things I feel like I would push back on that a little but bit. We, can, we um, should
0: debate that in a second, but I don't want to ruin your answer. So keep going. Okay, and then I'll, okay cool. Uh, remind me, we'll talk about that in a second.
1: Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, So yeah, so what we did was um, we started with quantitative research. So like for us we're a, like we're a SaaS product. So we went into mixed panel and we we said, okay, what are the Well, let me I'll give I'll zoom out and give the overarching framework cuz I'll get into the weeds here. So we did quantitative research to find out who firmographically, who who are our highest paying, longest retaining customers and is there any firmographic trends that set them apart from the rest. Then we went into qualitative and we said, let's get 20 of them on the phone. Um, and let's do a qualitative interview to learn what pains did they come to us to solve? Why did they choose us over others? Um, you know, what What were some of the benefits they've experienced since using us? We also used it as that as an opportunity to to solicit some feature requests and product feedback in order to improve the product and make it more valuable. How'd you um, get
0: those meetings, by the way? Was it just marketing reaching out or product or the sales rep that works the account, the CSM? Like who helped you guys get those meetings?
1: Yeah, so we're we're a pretty like flat organization like we're extremely like it's a you know over a hundred some uh, team members and everyone's very collaborative so um we just like i worked with uh our product uh marketing manager at the time uh katya and monice and like the three of us basically did this whole thing to answer your question in like a little over a month um we were all juggling like other work and projects uh on top of it but um we just emailed and said uh, hey, like sincerely, like this. We I think we said something like, "Hey, we re- we want to like." Uh, it was something along the lines of I should I should have pulled up the exact email, but it was something along the lines of like, "Hey, we really value like your input. We want to improve DataBox and our messaging, and we would love to get your feedback." Like, promise, this is not a sales pitch. Like, there's nothing hidden in here. Um, and then we did offer like an Amazon gift card. It was surprising how many people got on the call and they were like, "Don't worry about the gift card. I don't care." Like, they just they were. We had done, it, it showed us that we did a good job in the quantitative side of refining um, who the best customers were. Because a lot of the ones we talked about were, the, like a number of them actually said, hey, we're here for this. We're in your corner. We want to see Databox win. So it showed us qualitatively that we had picked the right list. So I think basically on the quantitative side, we we kept it. We tried to keep a blend of like applying enough filters in mix panel to find truly who we would consider above average customers, but not so many that we would begin like bias or confirmation bias. Like I didn't necessarily want to say like, oh, they use X percent of the product because kind of if, if they're paying a really high amount of uh, revenue, like if they're paying high MRR and they've retained with us for three years, but they only use 30% of the like product, I want to know why that is. So I didn't necessarily want to rule them out with any other filters. So we looked at our highest paying, longest retaining, um, we tried to look at like what types of companies were they, what industries were they in, um, how many employees, how much revenue. Um, so we we looked at those things. And then, like I said, then from there, we exported the list and we, we started emailing them and we got a pretty good response rate. Uh, and we just conducted the interviews lasted anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes. And we asked them uh, questions like what. You know, we we learned like what pains did you come to us to solve? What was the primary thing you were looking to do? What were you doing before you started looking for something? And what was the trigger that made you go looking for something? Like for a while, you were you were using spreadsheets or Google Slides or whatever. Like what happened that you did? Like wh- why did you wake up one day and decide that you needed a better solution for this? Um, and all these things map to something that's going to be reflected later in messaging, right? So why did you pick DataBox in when you shopped around? informs the messaging we use for our differentiation yeah. and the pains that we solve, you know, go with like that correlates to like the value we offer and the pains that we solve that we leave with on, on the homepage. So we basically did those interviews. We collected a bunch of other like feature requests and, and product feedback. Um, we're exploring putting together a customer advisory board with some of these people. And then we uh, basically distilled it all into a positioning statement. And it's informed a gargantuan, which I think is a word I've never used before uh, in public. I don't know why that came to mind. A gargantuan amount of messaging on our, like we started right away transitioning into rewriting the homepage and starting to work on some of the product pages. And the way it informed the copy was like amazing. Like the copy just flowed because we had all these things defined ahead of time.
0: And would you look for patterns you'd hear over and over again? Is that kind of like, you'd be like, oh, that's a thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that like we, uh, Monice was, One of our teammates is killer at this, so she did a lot of that. She was in the calls with me for a lot of the interviews and she would listen back and say, okay, like she would re-listen back to the calls and say, okay, what was their pain? What was the value they came for? What was the differentiation? What was the features that they think stood out? Um, And then she would group. So everyone, she would pull. Like when if you do this as a marketer or like a seller I and you've done this, like you you'll know like there's certain things they say and you're like, that needs to make its way to the website. Like that's yeah. that's a headline right there. Like yeah, yeah. there's things like that. So if she heard those, she would copy and paste the quote verbatim, and this was all stored in like an air table she put together. Um and then those she'd pull specific quotes on. So if we wanted to draw from like really compelling language later we had direct quotes, But then also everything got fit into a category like ease of use or beautiful visualizations or like whatever it may be. So everything got grouped into like broad categories. So we know why people valued us more and we were able to put like quantifiable like categories to it, but we also were able to preserve the nature of like the qualitative insights that they shared.
0: I almost wonder if a marketing or SaaS company made a website and the website was just all words from customers, what the conversion rate would be. Pot, yeah, that'd like, be really interesting. you just quoted every H1, H2, H3 paragraph? Like everything is literally just quotes for explaining everything. Like the why, how, what structure or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys do that? Did you do any of the like why, how, what stuff too? Like, you know, the Simon Sinek thinking of stuff?
1: I, I don't, but I have used, I've. this is a lot of what I've done like in my marketing career is overhaul website messaging and make it make the value um and the pains that we solve clearer and organized in a, in a clearer way so when i did this what i basically my like my approach was like i pulled up a google doc for the home page and just said okay what are the what do i need to say on this page we need to say like you know the summary like like what are you and what do you do right like summary section usually in like the hero or the above the fold and then it was like what pains do we solve what value do we offer why are we different uh you know th- then competing alternatives um uh, feature benefit analysis so like he- so like highlighting the unique either the tools we we shipped or like the unique features we have that nobody else does and then like so what like what's the what's the benefit and value to the end user so i mapped all those out and then um i just have this way like in google docs where i just like draw a little like gray line in between sections so i just map out my sections for the for the designer later and then my rule is like every section gets a headline uh, supporting like copy below it. Uh, and then like, depending on like features or visuals or whatever we're going to show. So what I did at each section then was then that's where I went into Moniz's air table. And I was like, okay, time to talk about the pains that we solve. And I pulled up her air table and I read all the quotes again. And I looked at the broad categories and I said, okay, how what's the, what's the punchiest way to say the primary pain we solve and the overall heading. And then how can I back up like, the 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 main three to five pains we solve maybe in check boxes below or like in sub sub bullets below, um, and then now time to talk about the features and benefits that we offer. So, it's like we're gonna list the technical name of the feature, uh, but then the headline of that feature is gonna be used to like the the benefit that it offers and the pains that it solves for you. So, every section I would go back to this Airtable and relook at customer language for it. So, like I, I would say like roughly probably sixty percent of our our homepage should ship at the end of... Uh, we're doing a massive website overhaul. And if you are familiar with Databox at all, you know that there's literally thousands and thousands of... like It's a massive project. So we are shipping at the end of January. And if you go look at that, um, I would say like 60%, they're not quoting customers, but they were directly pulled from what customers said. And then I just put it in a more concise like headline format. So yeah, it was it was massive.
0: Weird, customer quotes are very good at writing copy.
1: <laughs> yeah, shocker.
0: So you, well, it's funny because like I actually, my school of thought, I obviously got my start. I do marketing, but I got my start originally doing sales and prospecting and stuff. When we did positioning at Lead IQ, our manifestation of it, I think, started with a deck instead of a okay. win. And I actually... You're making me think that the landing page might be a better approach for this. Um, the reason that we were doing the deck was mainly, I, I'll tell you wh- why we were repositioning at Lead IQ. One of the issues that we had is over the years at Lead IQ, we had kept adding features to the product and we had people using different terms and different words on calls. So that like a customer, would this is, a, if you're at a company where you're, you guys are pretty much getting to that size now too, but like If you're listening to this and you're at a bigger company, you need the language and the words that the sales team says the prospectors say the marketing team social everything needs to be consistent because you're just going to confuse buyers if you use different words. Um, And that became like our way of manifesting that we kind of stole a lot of stuff from like the raskins model Uh, do you guys know Andy raskins if you don't. um, Obviously there's more than one school of thought his whole idea behind it i want to go into the category creation thing in a second because i think it's a fun discussion we can talk about but like basically his whole idea is like don't pitch like you need to pitch your product but like you need to talk about this overarching huge problem that you're not thinking about and it's kind of in line with like some stuff you get from challenger sale too but like um get someone to like you're putting a spotlight on a problem you haven't been thinking about and that's it's a little different um than what you guys did but like What you're doing, I think, is actually a lot more actionable and and easier and you can do it in a shorter amount of time. And honestly, it it works. Right. Right. I mean, it's it's easier to understand that stuff. I love that you were criticizing how every company like some people are like every company needs to be a category. It's like I don't think that's true. Um, Do you want to dive into that a little bit?
1: I do one one uh, follow up. I'll just say to like what you what you just said about like starting with the deck. I think that's a smart way to go too. I think that's what April actually recommends is like start with the deck because it's the fastest thing to ship. It requires like much less buy-in. and then you can immediately validate the positioning through sales calls. Like, how is this resonating with customers? How is this like landing on them? So yeah. there's a lot of um, there's a lot of benefit to that for us being like a product led company. I think about, well, I think this is true of, of most companies, but for us, like I keep I keep talking about our website as like our asynchronous salesperson. So it needs to be shipped there. And I think the beautiful thing about that is then you can blend multiple together. We have sections in the homepage that talk about, that call out the pain and are like, there's a better way to do this. And we do spotlight the pain. Uh, but then there are ways that we can implement the rest of the messaging. So, and just to, uh,
0: yeah, just to clarify, we'll, we'll go into the category thing in a sec, but just to clarify too, if you're listening to this, and you're like, oh, I'll go check out the Raskin's model. The thing that he's sort of talking about is like, like if, if, if you get someone to discover a pain that they haven't thought about versus just addressing a pain that they already have, um, they're more likely to go pull other people into the buying committee. Like that's kind of the, like, you might have ten or fifteen people that you need to sell on this idea. I'll give you an example. At Lead IQ, we were selling sales and contact data for people, but there are two hundred twenty companies that sell contact data. <laughs> like it's insane. But we had some stuff that differentiated us, and we were kind of we had a couple problems that we put spotlights on that like these other companies hadn't talked about before that lined up perfectly with what we were doing at Lead IQ. So like I'm I, like just like, I'm just trying to educate the audience listening to this. Like yeah yeah. yeah you like, you can do both. I actually think that like a lot of the time I get to a product-led growth website, and I literally just wanna know what they're gonna do, what pain they're gonna sell for me. I don't need like the whole enterprise, like visionary 10 meeting yeah. process to buy a product. <laughs> That's like, yeah, it's kinda like you gotta do it, you got you do you thing. Um, back to category creation. Uh, Yeah, you mentioned that not every company needs to do that. I wanna, I totally agree with you. I wanna hear what you think on this.
1: So well, okay. So let me first preface this, so I don't want to pick a fight with the with no people no smarter a than fight. me. No, uh, pick a, we're just a, just no, no. Like, and not <laughs> with you, and not with you either. I didn't mean, but like, ah, uh, but yeah, like the the category of pirate's crew. Like, I, I, I think that all these things, and even even what you're saying about like the Andy Raskin model and whatever. At the end of the day, a lot of these components overlap, and a lot of their goal is the same. It's like here's the crowd. How do you position yourself as like the obvious alternative, best different choice, right? Maybe maybe April's method is more like, um, you are in the same category, just acknowledge it, and then show how you're wildly different through these subtle means. And category prize, right, might be like call it a completely different category, and, um, and and establish yourself like through these other ways. But at the end of the day, like you can compile your own thing. These are all just like starting points and frameworks that you can adopt for whatever your situation is. So, I. I just, I'm not, I did not do a deep dive on category pirates way of thinking the same way I've listened to an interview, uh, where I forget uh, his name, but he breaks down, he breaks down the methodology, gives a bunch of examples and I've read like a synopsis of the book. And, um, I, I think my problem with it is that like most of the time, I think in theory, when you call out companies, that have done it. And some of the examples that I, you know, heard him give on like the interview were really clear. It was like, like one of the examples was like the the company that first invented uh, liquid dish soap. And it was like, yeah, clearly like the, the, the thesis, my, my take on the thesis is the thesis is sound. It's like, if it's something like the math is that the category leader uh, it takes home seventy five percent of the market share, and the rest of the people that are runners up squabble over the twenty five percent. And so, if you can create your a new category, yep. and you can go on to own it, then you can own seventy five percent. And why not own seventy five percent? My problem, like my the questions for me as a marketer, and that's probably the way to say it, is like there are more questions and wrestlings, not like I disagree with that philosophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of the examples given are companies that did fundamentally create a new product. Like new category went hand in hand with new product, And at least in B2B, um, I feel like the times I've seen companies claim that they were creating a category, they're really just leading with a strong point of view. But like, the market kind of spits them up and chews back out the category that they try to create and is like, no, nice try. We know that you're just a chat bot, or we know that you're just a whatever. So like two two examples here would be like Drift.
0: I was just thinking where, Drift.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, and I think the, the marketing has been obviously like incredible and it's a great product. But like at the end of the day, like if you go look at their website now, even like the, the tag above the H1 is like a chatbot for, you know, Something right, and so like, I think that um, conversational marketing and the the niche of like leveraging the product to serve marketing and sales, where like other products like Intercom were more like devoted to customer support, like that's really good. That's like a strong point of view, and that's niching like that's niching toward a specific specific like use case or or market or job titles. But like at the end of the day, everyone knew like when you embed this thing. It, it, it's like, if it looks like a, if it walks and talks like a duck, it is a duck, right? Like it, is that how the saying goes? It, yeah, I yeah.
0: Um, I love that you said this. I was about to bring up Drift, by the way. I was going to be like, one example I always think about is Drift versus Intercom.
1: Because Intercom
0: right. had a ton of market share and then Drift came into the market when was like, hey, we're going to make conversation marketing a thing. And the really the really only difference they did is they had like two features that were tailored to lead gen as opposed to customer support.
1: And that's where I think, like, I I haven't checked out the product in a long time. I used it, I used to it a while back. Like, obviously, this is where I think category of pirates has a great point of like but I just think what no one talks about is this would require them to fundamentally build new products that have not existed before to solve the specific pain that people like the, the approach to solving the pain is different. And I think what a lot of companies do when they hear it is like they just think of creating a category as like a sleight of hand. Like is, like if Databox, I don't love that we call ourselves an analytics platform. But if you ask most people, they're going to say, we want dashboard software or visualization software, we want an analytics tool, or we want a BI tool. We don't want to call ourselves BI because business intelligence has price and uh, accessibility connotations of like, you need in house data scientists. It's expensive. Tableau, yeah, um, can you say that, by the exactly, way? Exactly. Right.
0: Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So, like, we, so like, analytics platform fits. I think most companies don't have a fundamentally different product. And so, the best thing that they should do is pick an existing category. And this is what April talks about a lot is like, that serves as the most helpful starting point of reference for customers when they hear it. So, if you tell me chatbot, I immediately know you cost anywhere from this much to this much. You're going to do these five functions. And I generally can add you to my website by dropping a snippet of code or whatever. Um, So like those connotations are helpful. And then now that I've got this immediate starting point, Drift can use their unique point of view or their positioning to show me why they are clearly better for me as a marketer than Intercom is. And that's where like the positioning comes in. Category Pirate's criticism of that is like, well, yeah, but you're not like then you're still just fighting out the twenty five percent. And I don't disagree with that. I just think a lot of companies should be happy to like with the share that they can get. And I think too many companies rely on this stuff as like a sleight of hand. Like if we just call ourselves revenue acceleration, we've invented a category um like help help. The last example I'll give is like help Scout. Um, I listened to an interview where the founder talked about how. He, they tried to do this very early on. They looked and they were like, well, we're not support desk software. We're not help desk software because that's stingy and old school and it's handled a certain way. We're a shared inbox. But like when they tried to take that messaging to market, After a while, they just gave up initially because everyone was like, you helped us software. That's what we're Googling to find you. That's where we look for you in G2. Like you don't look different enough. And now over over years, they have been able to help shift the market. And now like they are known and there is a category of of shared inbox uh, is like a defined category. So my beef with it isn't that like the math isn't true. I don't disagree that like the company that invented liquid dish soap created a category and went on to win 75% of market share. I just have not really seen any B2B companies be so fundamentally different in the way that they approach solving the problem that I think that they're actually doing it and they're going to draw away. I think of a lot of companies do it, like Databox would call ourselves like uh, a business growth OS, a data-driven growth operating system or a data-driven growth platform. Sure, we win 75% of the market, but that market will be like, the 500 people we can convince to embrace this new category and meanwhile there's a there's thousands of people looking for an analytics platform so like that's what we are like we we haven't differentiated enough in a new way so we should just fit that and then show how we're different than the competitors so i think there's different tools for for different use cases
0: i feel like one of the other th- I, I have a great example of this too look at salesforce when they came out Salesforce's big differentiator that was 20% better than what was out there. wasn't their UI or interface or pricing or any of that stuff. It was that it was your CRM wasn't on-premise. That was it. It was a cloud-based CRM. They didn't go to market and create a new category being like cloud-based CRM. They just basically did all this marketing about no software. Don't buy software. Just like lease it from us instead of buying it. And that was like the model they kind of struck. Uh, In a lot of ways, I think a good way of another example going would be like, for every Coca Cola, there's going to be a Pepsi, and Pepsi's not going and saying, "Hey, we're making a new. We have a d- completely different generation of soft drinks that you drink." They do it with vibes and and how they go to market and 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 who they target and going after younger audiences and doing some stuff like that. Um, we all are in the software space, so we get caught up in like this this domino effect of following what other companies are doing and stuff. But like the core principles of marketing are still there. Like yeah. B, to C, B to B is still B 2 C because these people go and especially now people are changing jobs all the time. Like I, like I'll give you a really good example, right? Pitchfire, which you know people can you can use us to get paid to get pitched. Like that plug a little subtle. Um, I could go to Mark and be like, Hey, the world's first paid to pitch platform. I'd be lying to you. It's not true. There's other for years. There's been different ways that people get paid to get pitched. You can do it with corporate giving with Sendoso or Alice or a company like that you could uh get paid by going they have conferences that you can go to where they'll pay executives to attend it and then they listen to sales pitches like there's been other things like this before but like i'm not going to go and reinvent and do a whole new category for a launch for getting pitchfired off the ground um what i'm doing instead is i'm listening to people talk about issues with the average person getting prospected has ninety thousand dollars of debt excluding their mortgage and the average company that's prospecting someone will spend $3,500 to get a meeting. Like I'm thinking of inputs from both parties in my market. Yeah. Like I'm not going to go to market and talk about pay to pitch, pay to pitch, pay to pitch and how exciting and innovative it is to pay someone to answer your sales pitch.
1: Um, yeah. that That's a great example. I, I think like what, and like maybe a way I, I like to try and put these things in like a framework to organize them in my head. And so like the way I'm, the way, you know, what we're talking about here is like, I would almost say my current perspective which is subject to change is like if the if the product is 90% the same as all the others in existing category Then just lean into differentiation and like positioning with like your point of view and like your point of view can be the, can be the thing like you can, like what you're talking about, you can champion, you can be the most vocal about the pain and championing the pain and then be known as the solution to the pain. This is something like, I think Chris Walker's done a good job of, like, I don't think he fundamentally like invented a new category. He took demand gen and he vocalized the pain louder and better than anybody else on LinkedIn and through his podcast and then uh, uh refine labs was like the salute was like the obvious solution to the pain if that's the pain that you felt they were the ones championing it but they they didn't like go right away and like define themselves as different than like demand gen right so i whereas if your product is a fundamentally different approach and you look around the market and like no existing category overlaps enough with what you do and is a good starting point, then it makes sense to do that, right? Like liquid dish soap, I know I keep going back to it, but that's I one of the examples good they example. use. Um, it's like, yeah, what do you call it? Like everyone, everyone uses hard bars of soap and then here's this like liquid form of cleaning your hands That naturally like warrants a new category and it's completely different, right? I would imagine like the milkshake the first time that came about, things that are like fundamentally different approaches. The pain is the same. I want clean hands at the end of it or clean dishes, but it's not just the point of view. Like- that's different. It's like the product is fundamentally different in the way it tackles solving this problem, not just a point of view. And Drift's was too much a point of view difference. Like we just believe that this should be for marketing and sales and that they should use this technology for their purposes. That's more a point of view to me than it is like a new technology. So maybe that, maybe that's like how I would think about it. Like if if it, yeah.
0: I don't have the ins and outs of it, but I kind of also think it's proof with like, I feel like Drift has lost a lot of momentum compared to a couple of years ago too in the market because of what you're talking about. Um, but it was like, still a really cool thing that they did to like to get up there and get people to know about them and stuff. Um, we only have a couple of minutes left. One of the things we did want to cover is like you did this positioning at DataBox. How did you get the whole team to adopt it? Do you guys do training? Do you do onboarding? Do you like, how, how did you get like everyone comfortable with the new positioning and what you guys are saying?
1: Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know that, You know, I don't know that I would like hold myself out as a perfect example of this. But when we started, I went like first I talked about it with um, Davern and Pete, our president and CEO, like who obviously like lead the company. I think if you don't have buy in at that level for getting not just approval to do the project, but I think even like what the ramifications of it are going to be and the way it's going to be used. I think it's kind of like dead on arrival. Um, And one of the things that we did was... uh, we, part of the process included a workshop with all the team leaders, which was something April recommends in her book. And I think that was really helpful, uh, just to like, it gives a chance. We were able to present all of our findings and the takeaways of our findings and then loop them in because you need the perspectives of like sales of product of whatever. Like if you ask for, what are differentiated features we offer that nobody else offers? Or what are the pains we solve for customers? Sales and product are going to give like completely different answers and you need both of them, right? So like, I think working with the, working with the other team leaders and bringing them together. Um, and then we have started this thing at Databox called the, the creators club, uh, which is once, Oh, I think it's weekly. We, um, different uh, team members will speak on different topics and showcase what they're working on with the rest of the team. So, we got to do host a creators club where we presented our findings and shared some of the ramifications of that for the rest of the company, and we were able to say, "Hey, if you're sales and CS, look for us. Like, we're going to be coming to you with some insights from this soon, and we want to know how we can leverage this to help you." Um, and we talked, you know, we said like to product, like we want to help prioritize roadmap with some of this stuff. So, uh, and then the final thing is, I did a big like write up on it. So I did like we, we use Confluence to share like team updates and things like that. So I did a big write up to say like, this is what we did. This is why we did it. This was the process we used. Here was our findings. Here's the full positioning statement. And here are the ways then this is actually going to become actionable. Like we're using it on website messaging. We're going to equip you with sales decks. Uh, It's going to help inform like how we think about prioritizing like the roadmap or features and things like that. So uh, we're going to, that'll be published soon to share with the rest of the company.
0: A uh, key thing that I made the mistake of that you did that was correct. Go to the go to the leadership and do stuff after you have some findings. Um, if you don't and you go to the like so like we did like a company retreat where we all got in the same room and we're scheming up our positioning, and we're like, hey, we need to do this project, and everybody just came in with their own ideas, and then when you get the data inputs, they try to spin that to fit into their idea. Um, Instead of just having the findings, like, hey, this is the quotes that we have. This is some stuff that we're feeling in the themes. Um, This is where we're heading. Do we all agree we need to fix this problem? I, I do think, unfortunately, you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen on it. I agree with that. You want to be collaborative and like receptive to input, but you, at the end of the day, need to have someone that like takes charge and says, no, I'm going to figure out this position and this is what we're rolling with.
1: Yeah, 100%. I, I think you have to solicit. There has to be enough people to make sure that every major department is represented and can weigh in with their insights. But yeah, it definitely can, can devolve. And I think one of the things that helped too is Early on, I just said this is how we're defining. I gathered everyone around like the same definition. Like we just said that the, you know, like there there is a million ways you could define it, and there's a million frameworks out there. So I was just like, this is how we're defining it. This is the purpose of it. This is how we're going to use it, and this is the framework and the person. Like if you want to learn more, go read April's book. Like go listen to her podcast. Like here's other resources for you. But this is the one we've chosen to apply to our unique situation. Um, and then these are the steps we're taking. And then yeah, we could present all those findings and then have a big team conversation so
0: so if anyone wants to check out the work that you've been doing go check out databox maybe even take a screenshot of it now cuz you guys are making changes right now. of the like have you done all the changes you're still kind of ramping it up
1: they're still uh they're they're like in design and development now so they should go live at the end of January so if you listen if this episode gets released uh before the before Feb 1 it'll be next screen- week
0: yeah so it'll be out
1: oh okay yeah so okay. if you're listening to this uh screenshot databoxes uh, product pages, our nav, our homepage, and then, uh, you'll be able to see the updates. I mean, if you follow me on LinkedIn or whatever, I'll, I'll announce it when we go live, but yeah, you'll see a a pretty significant messaging change, uh, and the way that we're like tying it all together. So
0: can you give everyone April's name again, so they can check out April's podcast?
1: yes april dunford and i'm not kidding when i said like i binged everything i could to try and like answer specific problems we ran into or questions that we had she her podcast is i think it's just called the positioning show positioning with april dunford if you search it in spotify and She There she answers things like, well, what happens if we're multi-product versus single product? How do we translate our findings to a sales narrative, which is like based on her new book? So that was helpful. And then uh, I would also recommend Bob Modesta and Jobs to be done and go like search, uh, just type in Bob Modesta or JTBD in Spotify and listen to interviews there.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Jeremiah Rizzo, showing up. Coming in clutch. Usually we only do 30 minute episodes. I had to keep going because it was so good. Um, <laughs> Sorry if I to talk me, too we'll, much. We'll have to have you come back on the show and do some other stuff too. um Thanks a ton. I really appreciate it. Everyone go check out DataBox, go check out the website on there. On our end, kind of exciting thing that we're telling people we're kind of soft launching it. Last night at 3 a.m., we rolled out our Outlook integration on Pitchfire. So right yeah. now, Pitchfire, and you send sellers to Pitchfire, about 30 to 40% of them couldn't convert because we wouldn't let them sign up without look. We now do that. So if you're listening to this episode, go check that out. You can use our plugin and send people to pit, uh, pitch you on Pitchfire fire, make some extra income for the holidays. Uh, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All
1: right. Thanks, man.